And a very good evening and welcome to another edition of the Liam Davis Show here on Shoreditch Radio in London. I hope you've all had um, a really good week. I hope you've all had a really good um, opportunity to enjoy some of the beautiful weather that's uh, been we've been lucky enough to have in the in pretty much all of the country uh, today. Um, so I hope you've had an opportunity to get out there and enjoy some of the sunshine. Uh, if not, after a long day at work, uh, hopefully you are getting to enjoy some of the sunshine this evening. Uh, busy show uh, on the Liam Davis Show this Tuesday evening. Uh, later on uh, in the programme, I look forward to speaking to uh, Mumta Sharma. Uh, we're going to be speaking to her about her career. Very much an education-based programme on the Liam Davis Show this Tuesday night. Um, we'll be speaking to her later on in the programme about her career in teaching. Particularly, I know that she's got some good news around a promotion as well. Um, and that's what we're going to be looking at in terms of uh, recruitment and retention in schools um, at the moment. But my first guest on the programme uh, this Tuesday evening, um, delighted to speak to him. He's a head teacher of a school in Bristol. Um, and I know he's not been a head teacher for, for very long, and he's probably picked the year to become a head teacher that probably couldn't have been any harder when I think about the trials and tribulations of running your first headship in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so delighted to welcome him onto Shoreditch Radio, uh, Ashley Milam. Ashley, welcome. Hi, Liam. Thank you very much for having me on, too. No, it's lovely to, 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 to have you on the programme. So, Ashley, tell us, um, did you always want to be a teacher? Um, no. Well, in, in a way, I suppose I did. Um, initially, it was all around... I was absolutely driven to become a, like a parapsetic music teacher. Uh, that really did good teachers when, when I was for music and really wanted to do... Uh, yeah, I wanted to be a, a brass instrument tutor, um, and so that was the idea really. And um, got going with uh, a bit of bit of practicing in, in my mum's school actually at the time. Uh, my mum was a teacher, mm. so I used to pop in and uh, and teach some of her students how to play uh, the trumpet, which my instrument. Um, <laughs> and and that was that. And, and before long, it, it sort of got the bug and thought actually it's, I'm quite enjoying. Um, the teaching part more so than the music part, and thought, well, see what my mum was doing at the time. The, the fact that he gets to the full curriculum there as a primary school teacher, that's the absolute privilege of it, isn't it? That you get to teach teach the whole range. So, um, so no, that was it, and uh, that, that was the bug. And mum pushed me on, um, did her best to, to deter me, you know, but that's um, it was great. It was, it was good, good way in, and uh, my brothers are both both musicians. Actually, they've gone on to just do the music, but. Um, but no, for me, it was, it was all about the teaching. Uh, in terms of your, in terms of when you was at university and, and, and everything, I mean, you mentioned the music there. I mean, it is, again, it's one of those professions, isn't it, teaching, where a lot of the people I've spoken to on this programme uh, say, well, you know, I didn't really make my mind up until I went to university, and some say, well, you know, I always knew I wanted to do it. It's one of them, isn't it? You, it's not quite sure. Some almost fall into it, because when they leave university, they say, well, you know what, I'd like to give it a go. And some, knowing, like, primary school or secondary school, that they actually want to go into teaching, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, that was the thing for me, was... Before uni, and I went to, to uni to do a teaching degree. That was it. It was around getting stuck into to that from the minute go. You're right. You know, lots, lots of people go into 
to it fall into like you say a lot later on go through the PGC route don't they and um, mm. either way end up in, in, a, in a brilliant profession um, and now with the uh, early careers teaching framework that's coming out well, it can be a better time but I think like you said in your intro it's been a bit of a year isn't it it certainly has it's certainly <laughs> been a, um, a, um, a crazy year um, now you became a head at 28 um, right. some, some would say are you mad? Um, some would say good. Some would say good on you, um, and and embracing that at such a young age. Um, tell us a little bit about this. I guess the thought process. I guess to take on, which is regarded as you know, it's like being manager of the England football team. Um, it, almost at times, it can be the the impossible job. Tell us what was what why you, you decided at such a young age. I guess to 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 go down the route of being a head. Yeah, well, I suppose where it came from is obviously I did that teaching degree and then yeah, back through, yeah, you know, the normal route of being a teacher, middle leader, and then into senior leadership. And I suppose at each point there, it was just enjoying um, the absolute privilege of own responsibility for children's education. I mm. mean, that was it. And then the reason for kind of moving up those ranks was just the hunger to have more and more responsibility for what what I was enjoying doing and seemingly children were enjoying um, as well so I, I think it was that along with I'm quite sort of interested in leadership generally um, and how high performing organisations work and I suppose once you've got both those things going that you're really kind of interested in teaching and you're interested in, in leadership as well um, it just just felt like it was absolutely right and I think my particular circumstances that the school I've come to mm. um, is five minutes away from where I live yeah. and so it absolutely just was the right fit at the right time it came up um, and it's in my community and it felt like absolutely the right thing to do and I suppose like I say it's, it's quite a young age to, to take these things on um, but if I think back you know that I was doing this in my mum's school and then through the like I said, I did a B.Ed., so that was a long time teacher training there as well, and it's, it's not felt to me like it's come very early on. It feels like I've been in this long, a long while. Obviously, that's not quite the case compared to some others, but um, I think when I've been quite uh, interested in research as well, the research is like the cheat codes to teaching, I've found, that is, you know, if you're research-informed, it's the best way of doing things. I think that's really helped me along the way as well. There's, there's so many books out there now, aren't there, and, teaching and leadership oh absolutely and yeah yeah. I've just, just soaked it up really and I think um, gives you the best bet doesn't it to, to be able to navigate nuance in your situation so I think for anyone else wanting to to get into leadership um, because they've got that interest I think they've got to look at what that, what is out there and learn from everyone else who's been there and done it it's mm. great stuff out there you mentioned there about community did you I know you're based sort of Bristol um, did you grow up um around there or was it somewhere that you came to uh, later on? Yeah, that was, um, I'm from Taunton, so Somerset really. Oh yeah, so not um, far away, yeah. Not far away at all and it was always the ambition to get up to Bristol. Um, went to Plymouth, Plymouth University uh, and lots of us sort of did a bit of a migration, lots of my friends still from that time, we're all still up here now in Bristol, we've all moved up together. <laughs> It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's a real sort of West Country feel then, uh, in many respects. It's a real sort of real West Country uh, feel about it all. Um, <laughs> um, so tell us about how this year has gone then and how 
um, it's been for you during the pandemic. Tell us about how the past year has, has, has been for you. I mean, taking on a headship, like I said, is one of the hardest things that you can do, but to do it during the middle of a pandemic, I mean, it must have been a, a crazy year in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, and I think um, what a terrible the pandemic's been for it all, and, uh, you know, ever-changing, you know, back in January again, and further changes again. And just to kind of give you the, uh, the context of the school service, uh, formerly an adequate school was sponsored the November before I started um, and so yeah I mean it was it was absolutely back to basics you know back to those processes procedures the culture right and the team set up to have those expectations um, it's been it's been a, a really challenging year and I think um, you've got to have that growth mindset haven't you and like you said at the start a bit like that England management uh, manager job that it's it's almost an impossible job isn't it and just knowing that you've got to just keep doing your best for your school community to keep keep improving I think just keep reflecting and moving on is so important and I think the real challenge has been um, that we're not going to have parents in you know, yeah. when you're doing this school improvement you're trying to grow a community school that's such a big part of it it's, it's one of our five key priorities this year, we said five C's, uh, curriculum, child care, uh, CBD and community and so community is, is that real one and we've not been able to, to open up the doors and get people in as much as we, we really want to, you know on a Friday after school you get everyone and see what they begin to have, those fairs etc, it's just not been doable and I think that's been the massive challenge, it's just just being a little bit cut off and isolated from your community. That's a big part of, of what we do, isn't it, as, as community schools? Uh, absolutely, and I think it's it's been something that lots of schools, as you say, that community feel has had to be sucked out for, for obvious reasons, I guess, with the, with the pandemic. I mean, for you on a personal level, I mean, obviously, it must have been, a, like I said at the beginning, anybody to take on a headship, um, in these circumstances is tough but for you I mean it must have been a seesaw you know through the year tell us maybe a little bit about some of the highs and lows that you've personally experienced I mean I guess maybe perhaps uh, I'm thinking about in January when you know the, the second lockdown national lockdown started uh, I mean that must have been really really difficult but then of course the autumn term prior to Christmas as cases were significantly rising right across the country. I mean, I guess on a personal level, that leaves you as a head teacher with a lot of dilemmas about different things that you have to do, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're... School improvement is difficult anyway, isn't it? And, and when you're trying to juggle those unpredictable changes that sort of creep along like, like, like the pandemic has done over this last year... Um, it has it has made it really tough, um, and and certainly you know trying to to have difficult conversations with people um, to do the school improvement job on top of you know being really challenging personal circumstances um, has been a real challenge, and I think um, it's it's really sort of tested the, the humility of us as a team here, and I think really what it has done and the positive of this. It helps us realise why we're all doing it, and it's absolutely about putting the children first, being absolutely uh, champions for our community here, 
and, I, and in terms of um, yeah, those highs, that, that's what it's been. It's about us, us drawing together as a school and, um, and, and moving forward and, and seeing that progress happen. And the challenge, like I said, is, is just not being able to, to share that as fully as we'd like with our parent community. Such an important thing, isn't it, to partner with, with your parents. We've just not been able to do that as much as we wanted. No, I dare say it must be... You know, very, very tough, and and, and I guess so that 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 it sounds to me, and I I might be wrong. I mean, I was going to ask a question around ethos, but it sounds to me that the ethos in your school is very, very community heavy, very, very community driven. My impression is that that's the huge ethos, and that this year has just sadly sucked. I mean, I'm sure you've done a very good job, but it sounds like it sucked away the community feeling has been really drained and sucked away through the year and that uh, my impression is for you as a head teacher that really personally hits you quite a lot yeah yeah certainly I think that it was a big thing about about this this school uh, and the history of the school was that it was a very community based school previously um, and and the to then offset you know, whatever happened the, the failings of it meant that it was a really fragile uh, fragile school community at that point because you know, they didn't want the school to close or, or to, to be sort of sponsored by anyone else and, and the, the repair work that's, that's had to happen on top of that from us um, you know, as you can imagine doing it remotely is, is just not ideal is it and what we're really just so driven to do is, is partner with the, our community and, and make sure they're along with us and that we're doing things together um, because that, that's what we're here to do isn't it Absolutely, it's a, as you say, it's the, the sort of fundamental core purpose of, of, of what we do. How's it been in terms of support um, as a new head? I mean, people tell me on this program, have told me in this program that mentoring and collaboration and support network, maybe as part of a multi academy trust or from the local authority or from fellow head teachers, I guess, who, 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 who have got that experience. I mean, how's it been for you in terms of? support that you've had um, particularly as I say because it's your first year in the job yeah well I think you know this is where maps come into their own um, and you think back to kind of the, the reasoning for putting them together was just all around that collaboration and, and, and sharing best practice and it's, it's really for, particularly when you've got um, you know schools in that cerebral part of school improvement journey that's where you can really pull on that expertise from really seasoned heads. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have um, a director for our region as well here, so so I'm really well supported, uh, and that's absolutely credit to, to the trust that I'm with, of the Devante Schools Trust, um, who really kind of make sure that the development at all levels, and, and once you're as a head teacher, by no means the finished deal, and there's a massive amount of kind of support and uh, career progression that they can give you there. Um, and then, like I say, yeah, my boss and the director of education, they're all absolutely there to, to pull upon and, and to, to draw on their expertise. Um, and I think, you know, being a head teacher, there's great courses out there, aren't there? Like, there's, there's, there's qualifications to be a head teacher, and they uh, prepare you in a certain way by uh, getting you to think about certain scenarios and what it is to lead a school. But I think really seeking out, and this, this is sort of where I feel that it's, it's gone well for me, is seeking out mentors and people that you think you want to hear from as a, as a teacher. So, of course, this is my first year as a head, 
that definitely don't don't know all of it by this point and it's about reaching out to those that have been there and done it and done it in a way that you would want to do yourself and say um, think about one example is uh, one of your previous guests Elroy so I guess Elroy called back about this time last year you know hearing about all of his um, his experience and yeah, a whole range of people that I've reached out to to speak and, and hear from because the amount of experience that is out there, she's got to be drawn upon in that same in the same respect about you know reading up and being researched and formed. It's that same thing, isn't it? About if you hear as much about people's experience that have, have done this and successfully improved schools for the betterment of their community, um, draw on that and and then it helps you to navigate your nuanced situation as best you possibly can. I think also Bristol is just brilliant, you know, for, for a head teacher group. Um, there's lots and lots of collaboration here. I'm regular contact with the schools around the corner. Um, but equally, I've, I've now got a brilliant SLT and uh, it, it's not just support from those more senior, but, but actually working with the team here uh, to support each other through this. And it's, been a, it's been an incredibly busy and challenging year. Um, it's about really just pulling together. We're all here to do the same job and to make a success of this place. And it's about um, absolutely kind of aligning and, and getting it done, really. No, absolutely. And Elroy Cahill, um, as you say, I, I, I mean, also, I suppose, I, again, I think of Elroy. I mean, he does a lot of stuff on Twitter and LinkedIn and sort of other networks. I guess these days at Twitter, and I mean, it can be obviously quite toxic as well at times, but I guess. Twitter and things like that have become sort of invaluable resources, haven't they, for 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 heads Absolutely, and and, yeah. and I mean that, that you know the networking that from there has increased massively as well, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly that, yeah. and I think uh, both yeah, both Twitter and I think Twitter right can there are oh, God, I if you want to stay away from on Twitter and as many places, but but largely it's, it's there as a, a learning community from each other and hearing about each other's experiences. People, it's just like we are a society is, is largely we're supportive of each other um, and, and willing each other to do well and I think that certainly comes across and I think then when we look at LinkedIn um, I found it hugely beneficial I know not everyone does but I I, I certainly have been reach out to those uh, people who have done it really successfully uh, just to, to learn from them and hear, hear about what they might have done in a similar circumstance so oh yeah by all means I think for anyone listening that, that's looking to um to increase their kind of leadership capacity, you've got to get out there and uh, hear from others. And I think both of those are a great way to do it. Absolutely. Um, so, what advice would you give? I suppose I'll split this next question into two. But um, yeah, what advice would you give to anyone listening to this interview, listening to this program, who one is thinking about a career in teaching? Um, they could well be a trainee teacher, an NQT who's looking currently looking for a job. What would you say to them? And then I guess secondly, as somebody who's took a leap, at, you know, a young age into headship, what would you say to anybody who's listening to this program who is considering a career as a head teacher? What do they need to consider if they are going to take the sort of leap of faith that you did? Yeah, okay. Well, I think. Um I think first thing is recognising that these are uh, unusual and challenging times, aren't they? And that uh, that once we're beyond this pandemic, things will will settle back down. But we've got to, of course, 
get everyone to where they need to be and that chance will exist for a few years but it won't be quite as uh, I guess things won't come across uh, quite so quickly we've not got to react uh, quite so much we can plan and strategize and I think for those um, those teachers I, I think it's been really proud of what they've done and, and been part of this teaching community I think it's been a it's been particularly uh, difficult but impressive time I think that the uh, education community have, have been part of keeping everyone going through this pandemic and keeping yeah, key worker children in throughout it and I think just to recognise what, what effort has gone in I, I think is a massively important part um, I think for those that are uh, to take on headship and that sort of thing I think it's, you've, got to, you've got to be a learner and I think that's the main thing isn't it you, you've got to recognise that you don't know everything uh, and if you're willing to, to put yourself in the position of taking on leadership, you've got to be willing to learn from those much more experienced from you, uh, you've got to learn from those you're working with as part of your team um, and you've just got to keep growing for the, for the better of, of your children in your school. Um, I, I think that's the main thing. Um, I wouldn't be afraid and I wouldn't let anyone tell you that you've got to be teaching for a certain amount of years before you can step into to a role like that, but I think it's being absolutely sure that you're doing it for all the right reasons and that it's about taking responsibility for, for what's a really important time for, for young people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think if, if, if it's not just headship, I think if it's, if it's people joining the, the profession now, I think it's a brilliant time. There's, there's a lot of now funding coming into education. Uh, recently, not as much as we would have liked with the, the recovery, but uh, there we go. But for, for the early career teachers, um, there's been a huge amount of advice taken and now a whole framework put together new teachers into to the profession um, to really get up and running as best they possibly can so no, I think it's being a learner that's the main thing for the good willing to learn Absolutely. And I suppose in terms of a final question this one might be a bit more difficult to ask certainly asking you to speculate um, what do you in terms of your own career um, I mean it, it's, you've already sort of reached the summit but I, my, my impression is there's probably a lot more for you that you do want to do with your career, whether that be in headship. Um, and I guess, as you said earlier, with the, the difference in mats and things now, I guess it's, you know, the, the, the role of executive head and trust CEO and all that, of course, the, the, the role has expanded. Do you, do you see yourself wanting to go down that road in the future? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, at the minute, it's, it's the absolute focus on, on getting this school improvement right and sustaining the quality here at Atlantic Gardens School. But, but absolutely, I mean, in, in the same way that it's, what's driven me so far is having that responsibility for learning. I'm sure there will come a point where it's, right, well, what, what's next and how can I take further responsibility for, for children young people's education? And I think, um, you know, I'd be interested, obviously, at the minute it's, it's primary that I'm working with, but there's more and more opportunities for sort of war through schools and that sort of thing would be interesting. Like you say, there's increasing, yeah, you know, amount of jobs that come out of, of, of multi-county trust and that'd be interesting to explore, I'm sure. I think I'm quite interested in the in Department for Education as well, mm. um, in that delivery side of things, but also the, yeah, the policy. And so that'd be uh, something I, I, I'd certainly consider in the future. But, mm. um, you know, 
take every day take every day as it comes. I was going to say take every day as it comes. And look, and, 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 and look forward to a and looking forward to a to a to a summer holiday as well. I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. What a what a year it's been. <laughs> well, listen, Ashley, it's been lovely talking to you, and wish you absolutely all the best and every success um, going forward in your career. Um, and you know, good luck with the school that you're in. Um, I think it's something like seven more weeks or just under seven weeks to that summer holiday which yeah. I'm sure that you're really looking forward to but it's been lovely speaking to you on the show thanks for writing me on Ashley yeah, thank, thank you very you. much indeed it's lovely to talk to you and that was uh, Ashley Milam who is a head teacher of a school in Bristol uh, joining me here on the Liam Davis show on Shoreditch Radio and I guess that conversation um leads us in very nicely to my next guest on the Liam Davis show here on Shoreditch Radio on this Tuesday evening. Um, we're continuing on with the um, education theme um, across the next 25 minutes to half an hour of the programme. Um, always delighted when we get new guests coming on the programme. Um, and my next guest um, is a secondary school teacher in London. Um, and she'll laugh. But I don't want to. I don't want to do any spoilers because she'll tell us about how long she's been in the job and all the different things that she's done in the job, um, and obviously the career pathway um, as well. We'll talk a bit about that that she's took. Uh, but delighted to welcome her onto the program, uh, Mumta Sharma. Mumta, welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. It's nice to have you on the program. Um, how have you been? How's things been? All right? Everything okay? Yeah, really been a nice good. Tuesday? It's been a lovely Tuesday. It's been a good start to the week. Um, it's definitely the weather's nice. Fresh a, breath, a breath of fresh air for certain. And I think uh, now that all the exams and things are out of the way, I think we can start enjoying the weather now. Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, I might answer that next week um, <laughs> after the tags have been submitted or whatever. Um, right. Okay. Let's start right at the very beginning. Um, did you always want to be a teacher? Um, honestly, no. Springs to mind straight away. Um, uh, but funnily enough, as a child, my siblings and I, we used to play the game where we, someone has to be a teacher, someone's taking the register. Funny, you'd be surprised the amount of people that come on this programme that said, I was playing with my siblings yeah. and we were doing this, um, I want to be the teacher. I don't know what it is about being the boss, but um, definitely I think um, in my early sort of education, I wasn't too sure what I wanted to become, mm. and I always wanted to keep my options open, and I, I just knew that I loved the subjects that I was learning about, but then I just didn't, wasn't too sure, I didn't want to be caged into just one sort of career and just do that, so when I finished off my degree, it was actually only then when I started seriously thinking, well, what should I do next? So I had a lot of support and, a, and some good conversations with some family and friends and it was my sister in the end that did show me the application for the PDC. So mm. that's when I started thinking, this could actually work out for me. And did she go into teaching? <laughs> she hasn't personally, no, but she's always said, you know, um, she thought that I had a personality for it, she thought I'm very good with children, or oh, particularly patient I think is probably the best thing to think about right now. Uh-huh. Um, it's very different, you know, playing games at home and actually being... And actually putting teenagers. it into practice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Did you grow up in London? No, I'm actually from Manchester. I thought so. Yeah. I recognised the... It sounded a North accent, but yes. I wasn't 100% sure. I don't know, I'm told it's faded a little bit. It has, no, it has, oh, but, you can no. still, but you can still detect the... Um, 
the sort of northern twang. It comes on slightly. stronger when I'm annoyed at the students, that's for sure. So I'm told. So I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> so why the move to... So, so I mean... Uh, Obviously, you grew up in Manchester. Mm. I mean, you may well tell us where you went to uni, but I mean, um, why London then? Well, um, I went to UMIST, which is now Manchester University, yeah. and I came across a lot of students from all over, you know, England, but more so from London. And not that Manchester is a small city, you know, or anything like that. It's quite international. It's quite diverse. But um, I hadn't met many people from London before, so I found them fascinating. <laughs> but um, as a 20-something-year-old, I suppose everything's fascinating when you get to university. And then um, I, I know that my sister, she moved towards the London area um, quite early on. And I was just really interested in what the big capital city is about. And I just felt like Manchester was a little bit um, too small for me. You know, <laughs> when you're in your early 20s, you're like, the world is your oyster. Uh, but I didn't actually move there uh, to London until about seven years ago. So mm. I'm, I'm trying not to give away my age here. Yeah. But, um, I stayed in Manchester <laughs> for quite a while before I decided that I really wanted to give London a go. Yeah, I, I, you kind of launched it. You sort of took away the thread of my next question. I was going to say, how long have you been in London? Oh. <laughs> but as you yeah, say, that, might, that, that may well allow people <laughs> to try and work things out. Um, interesting, yes. Um, so you've been in the capital seven years. Mm. Um and still loving the capital. Definitely. It's really addictive. It's strange. It's, it's What I love about where I am at the moment, which is um, near King's Cross, is that I've got lots of different companies at my doorstep yes. that I can take and use to my advantage, if you like. Yeah. So before, I guess, in Manchester, I would have used um, you know, STEM ambassadors, for example, or have the odd visit once a year. But I feel like the culture around getting employers into schools or universities into schools is so much more important and perhaps actually more important, probably more regular and is seen as a natural thing to do. So, you know, I've, I've opened my eyes to, you know, the technology that's around here and what sort of culture that the children are going to be getting into, mm. you know, the things that they're actually up against when they leave education. Mm. City or United? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. I used to actually live on Main Road, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, at well, that time, the fans were... I was going to say, sit, sit, well, Main Road, yeah, I mean, you've got to kind of know a bit about football to know about Main yeah, Road. So, City fan, it's then. It's going to have to be City if I had to choose. If you had to choose, fair <laughs> yeah. enough. I won't push you any further on that. Um, why science? Why science? Um, I think, naturally, just a really curious person. Yeah. Um, and I, I just like technology. I like to learn about what's going on and why. And I felt when I was younger, science was a really good, easy route into that. Mm. And I actually had really inspirational teachers as well. Mm. Um, they were probably major geeks now that I think about it. But for me, they just really fed that curiosity. They never turned me away when I had a question to ask. And were really happy just teaching their subjects. They didn't seem frustrated by, you know, the daily grind. And I think that makes a big difference. Mm. So, so really and truthfully, your teachers, your, your teachers at secondary school were a huge inspiration to you yeah. in terms of pushing you and, and, and I guess inspiring you to go into the profession yes, as it is now, yeah. I think partly when you're at school, you do get such a wraparound care system that you feel that all teachers are going to be like that, all school situations are going to be like that. But then when I went to college, I think definitely the now you have to be a lot more independent hit me hard. Mm. And my teachers really did support me with that aspect. So even though they still wanted me to be independent, um, I think the pastoral care really did come through then. Um, and then again at university, it's completely different again, where you're left to your own devices, aren't you really? And you're one of 200 in a lecture theatre. 
So I think it was definitely a journey going through and thinking about, you know, what can I do to develop myself and what can I, what can I draw from my experiences at school? Mm. I mean, obviously, you've, 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 as you mentioned, you've been in London um, seven years. I mean, it's interesting when you teach science, isn't it? Because obviously the science curriculum has changed mm. quite a bit, actually, in those seven years and definitely. certainly in the last ten years. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's been a move certainly more towards sort of separate sciences than mm. perhaps there was when I was at school and, yeah, and perhaps so, when you was at school yeah, as well is, is you did science as a whole but it seems at secondary level now particularly and particularly at GCSE mm. it's getting almost broken up into what it traditionally is at A level in yeah, biology, so chemistry, yeah. physics now you're somebody I know who specialises in chemistry, chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, now I loved, I did A level chemistry right. I should say and I loved chemistry I mean it must be a great subject to teach um, I don't know, physics always was quite difficult for me. I don't know, I'm not the best at maths, <laughs> but I don't know, chemistry seemed to come easy, balancing equations and, and chemical reactions. Well, I always seem to enjoy that. And I guess and I guess obviously you do too. Yeah, well, I actually, funnily enough, during my A-levels, I really enjoyed physics more. Right. I did. Um, and I think it was just because I'm, I really love things to do with sci-fi and space. And that was my time for really learning about it. But then with the chemistry, um, I think, People will find chemistry a lot more enjoyable if you're able to think a little bit more abstractly and if you're comfortable with maths. Now, you said you're not no. great at maths. I wasn't really great at maths, so I didn't do my A-level maths, but I had extra tuition to help me along with the concept of maths within chemistry. So that experience, has, um, I try and use that experience when I'm talking to my students and in my own classes thinking, well, if I was Mumta and I was you know, 16 years old and I'm looking at this, how would I approach, you know, this rearrangement or how do I think I would tackle this problem? And I share my strategies with what I did to try and break problems down. So chemistry, I, I'm sure it's supposed to be one of the hardest A-levels. Kind of pick, gets picked to the post with physics sometimes, but they're hand-in-hand subjects, I believe. <laughs> it's a funny one because I, I, people say to me, they ask me sometimes, even the kids ask me sometimes, they say to me, um, oh, what A-levels did you do? And I right. say I did... And they say to me, you did the most oddest A-levels you could ever imagine, because it was... Maybe I, maybe I didn't get great careers advice. Well, I did biology, chemistry, history, politics. Wow. I did four A-levels. Brilliant. Um, and people say to me, oh, well, obviously they ended up teaching RE, but... Um, <laughs> it's an interesting bit, but, but I don't know. I, I, I always had two, I had two brilliant teachers when I was at school. One was a science teacher, his name's Arthur Barzi. He's gone on to be a head teacher um, of a school in Enfield. And um, he was a brilliant teacher. He taught me for A-level biology. He had a great A-level chemistry teacher as well called David Nanan. He was, you were talking about inspiration. But I had a brilliant history teacher, and he taught me for history and politics A-level. A guy called Joe Whelan, who retired not that long ago. Um, and I never knew which route I wanted to go down. Mm-hmm. I never knew if I wanted to go down the science route, yeah. down the... the the social science route I actually ended up going down the social sciences route but it's funny I look back and I think to myself sometimes I wonder where I would be now mm-hmm. if I'd gone down the, the science route the actual yeah. natural sciences route and yeah. I don't know it's funny you just sit there sometimes and you think about it and you're do never you, quite sure do you think it was about um, not necessarily knowing what other options were available in science I, I think when I look back on it it probably was mm-hmm. and I think that was where the school I went to it probably fell down a bit yeah. in terms of careers advice um, I'm not sure at that time there was a quite a well-developed career. Th- there wasn't. I mean, we're going back to sort of the early sort of 2000s, and th- there, there wasn't, to be honest, and not certainly at the school I went to, there wasn't. Mm. But I do think, I do think, had 
I've been maybe more steered that I, I wish I'd gone down the science, right. Right. natural science route, really but, but I didn't. I went yeah. down the social sciences route right. in the end and ended up doing a degree in social sciences rather than hmm. biology, chemistry or physics. So well, lots of research to show that no matter what subject you end up doing, whether it's humanities or whether it's sciences or the arts, you've still got transferable skills yes. you know, that you can use in pretty much any job. And I think this is one area that I've developed quite a lot whilst working at King's Cross as well, is whilst I've been getting employers in, they've been feeding back to us and saying, mm. when you know young people do come to us, there's a shortage in can they be creative or do they know how to mm. solve problems mm. or even work as a team yes. collaboratively. And I think uh, you know there's lots of opportunities to develop that side as well. Absolutely. Not just the academic side. But it's a tough it's a, it's tough sometimes, isn't it? It's a yeah. tough it's a tough job. But it's 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 a, it's a very rewarding job. Yes. I mean, you you've been in the job now quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's I mean, for you, what's been I mean there are probably things that you love and feel free to tell us about those, but it does is a job that comes with a huge amount of challenge as well though, mm-hmm. isn't it? And I agree. and I guess this year particularly it's yes. been hugely challenging hasn't it in many different ways tell us how it's been for you uh well the things that i love are the things that i try and focus on and actually sometimes it is very very difficult to find you know your purpose or your why and mm. a lot of people do say these um sort of cliche things but i think it's really really important especially when you start out in your early career mm. um, and for me it's the interactions with the students to be honest um they even though the majority of them, you know, are really positive and really nice and friendly and what have you, there will always be students that are a bit difficult. But I think the the main message behind it is that, you know, we're all human and at the end of the day we all have something going on, you know, and when we get to work or we get to that classroom, the interactions that we have, whether they're a few minutes or just lively chit-chat, it can make a big difference to someone's day. And I've seen staff, you know, their moods have been changed by just an interaction with a few students. Um, and I love talking to staff members and talking about teaching and seeing how we can make things better for students as mm. well. I think overall that's what pushes me and learning more and more about my profession really helps to keep me motivated as well. Has the pandemic been tough? Yeah, definitely. So I went, um, I spent my pandemic time in Manchester, yes, and um, I was there and I was caring for my mum at the same time. Mm. Um, so that had its own challenges. But actually... I Worrying time? Obviously, with yes. COVID and, yes, and everything. Yes, for sure. So having to protect my mom, but also actually trying to protect my own sort of mental health as well in that. She had a vaccine. Yeah. She has, Good. yes, yes. But definitely not going out to the shops and. No. You know, I think also with the Asian community in particular, mm. a lot of information is shared uh, through media like WhatsApp or yes. hearsay, and I think it's really important for people that perhaps don't have the best grasp of. Uh, English, for example, do get that same information about mm. how to stay safe. That makes it vital, isn't it? Exactly. And so often I was battling things like, you are allowed to do this now, mm. um, but she would be quite anxious. And Very I think, nervous. Yeah. yeah, and with an elderly uh, group as well, I think it's more important to help them connect with people. So we're trying to use things like Zoom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all trying, weren't we? I mean, they've never even heard of Zoom before last March. We were or doing video calls Microsoft Teams or... <laughs> Google, I mean, I've lost the count of all these different uh, devices. And it was fascinating though, but these are the sorts of things that, these are the challenges that keep me yes. motivated, you know, yeah. not one day is the same. No. So, or even one and a half term, can you say, <laughs> especially in this pandemic. So I was actually working with school to roll out Google Meets, Google Classroom, mm. so teaching the children and the staff how to use these various platforms now mm. to teach effectively and, and then parents. 
and then governors, and then myself. So it's been such a steep learning curve. And I think also, in one sense, having that to focus on helped me keep saying as well. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that was leading into my next question, really, about the sort of learning mm. during... I mean, we've had two lockdowns. I think about the one from March to yes. last September, yeah. and then the one from January to March. Mm. I mean, how, how was that for you and, and the students? Because... I mean, when I've spoken to other people in the profession on this programme, it's been a very much a mixed bag. Mm. Some have said, oh, you know, we did online Zoom lessons and everybody was there. And then there were some that said, well, interaction was not so great. I mean, we've got all sorts of issues in, in sort of, I think about in inner London, in some parts of inner London, obviously there is huge amounts of deprivation. Yeah. And not every student and family can afford devices such as iPads and phones. I mean... Uh, we, I, I can think of some stories of students who were trying to do their work off of their yes. parents' mobile phone. Really? Now, that's where, sadly, mm. school, the classroom, is a level playing field that I guess technology mm. and access to technology mm. still isn't. Oh, for sure. And during the first pandemic, or rather the first lockdown situation that we had, we were uploading resources, but we were also, schools were trying to find their feet as well. Yes. So they were literally plunged well, into they had to rewrite the rule book overnight, yes. didn't they, schools? exactly. And I think, you know, testament to all the staff that have pulled together on this, it's definitely not something that it was SLT were just doing to people. Mm. Everybody is pooling their resources together, their ideas and their time together. But I think it affected staff and students really in the sense that their mental health would have suffered. You're, you know, some people are living alone. Some people, as you said, in the situation where you're stuck in a house with five, six people and you have a very small place. Some people don't have gardens. And I think actually it helped me learn more about my students, especially my two T's who I've had since um, they were in year seven. They're in year nine now. So whenever we had the opportunity to do registration, they would tell me things about their day. Um, and I, I just, rather than focusing just on the academic side, mm. for the second uh, lockdown, what I focused on was interactions and focusing on, you know, get, getting them to tell me a joke or how did their day go or what did you notice? So in school, we've done some mindfulness sessions as well. And mm. um, this was before the lockdown happened. Um, and we really drew on those experiences. And we just talk about things, you know, that we found interesting and getting them involved in competitions as well. Have you found, uh, again, quite a few guests that I've spoken to on the programme have all said that there's been, you know, behaviour at times has been mm. tough. Mm. Mm-hmm. And COVID's impact of, of that time out of school has changed the goalposts. I mean, in you, and I'm not just thinking about in your own school, of course, but obviously you speak to a lot of people, you know, has been, maybe even up in Manchester, but has the experiences been similar in terms of mm-hmm. the level of challenge, the level of need, the level of, I suppose, mental health? Yeah. As it, I, I guess not just amongst students, but also amongst staff as well. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because, um, as I said, in the first lockdown, I think students really had a hard time, as did staff. Mm. In the second lockdown, because we were more so prepared about what the situation would be like or the environment might be like, um, there was more assistance in terms of laptops and Mm. also I think the staff mindset changed as well. So there was a lot on uh, social media about students must be all there and you know engaging whatever that might look like submitting work homeworks trying to keep a routine same timetable you know as you would if they were face to face Mm. and I think that took away the human element of everything that's going on Mm. and I think it's really important to remember that you know we we would have lost people but they would have lost people Um, and I think being kind and remembering and being compassionate 
I think that's so important. Mm. And I think that's a, a definitely a national picture. In terms of whether or not the situation of behaviour was the same, I certainly did step in and supported staff with some behaviour strategies that I thought worked for myself. Mm. And we collaborated together to try some techniques within you know the software as it was so I know that for example with Google Classroom or Google Meet so we're putting like a hands up feature mm, or yeah. to Zoom um, and all that have got that as well yeah prevent they? students from entering and leaving you know uh, haphazardly but I think like you said there's a limit and at mm. the end of the day it's just a screen has it been since in the classroom since mm. the return initially the, I felt that students had become more independent and that was really interesting that's so really interesting I find that really difficult to sort of hone over a long period Yeah, that's of time. really interesting. I mean, mm. lots of people I've spoken to on this programme have said it's the opposite, almost that they've become too dependent. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, initially, yes, they were very much like, I'm okay, withdrawn. I'm going to do this, I'm going to go into classroom and check my resources, etc., etc. But I think now the withdrawal is starting to happen. Yes. They've also got, I think, got some sort of mental fatigue as well. Yeah. You know, with all this screen time going on then stuck at home and then now they're back in school again with another change of environment with the added anxiety of covid mm. sanitizer cleanliness you know it can't be easy mask mask and then you have, a teacher <laughs> you have a teacher in front of you trying to teach you chemistry and how to balance equations probably not the highest on some students uh, lists but you know we try yeah and that's all you can do really at the end do. of the day isn't it yeah um now looking ahead yes <laughs> we can't not mention it um, because if people will follow your Twitter, they will know that um, I believe come September you are rising up the ranks, as it were. And and, and, and so tell us, I mean, I mean, was becoming an assistant ed senior leadership something that you'd aspired to do? Because I mean, I speak to some people who say, oh, I'd never touch him mm-hmm. with a 50 foot pole, and some who are very ambitious, or yeah. maybe somewhere, somewhere in the middle, who say, yeah, I'd like to give it a go, maybe. My impression is you're someone who, who maybe liked thought you'd like to give it a go rather than someone perhaps who's drivenly ambitious. Definitely, definitely. Um, Would that be a fair? That's definitely fair. So about four years ago, I was invited to go to the women's ed conference that was happening at my current school. Mm-hmm. Annual conference would happen there. So and it was on Saturday as well. And I just thought, okay, I'll just go see what happens. And at the time I was head of department yep. and in another school. Yep. Um, so I arrived there and I listened to the sessions and what have you. And I thought, you know, the supportive network for women was very, very well worth it. And talking about leadership and different aspects. And there was a session at the end, I believe it was, where they asked the audience to write down something on a post-it note where they would say, in five years' time, if you were 10% braver, what would be your aspiration? And I was definitely not thinking about senior leadership whatsoever. And I just thought... Hmm. Can I really do this? Uh, (laughs) So I wrote it on this little note, actually, and I wrote on there to become a member of SLT in five years' time. Um, And, yeah, so the story goes, and here I am, and it's four years' time. It's funny, next (laughs) next week, Wednesday, um, on the Shoreditch Radio podcast, Christella Jamil, who is actually the um, national leader of Women's Ed England, is on the programme next week, Wednesday. I'll be listening to that. Um... So yeah, that's something to look for. She's an executive head of a school in Haringey. Right. Um, so she's on the programme next week. She's a national leader. Women's Ed England, I mean, I, I suppose, uh, I suppose almost, I've I got to move on to sort of a final question, but it's probably quite a broader question. Um, I mean, there are probably people listening to the programme who at the moment, particularly with everything that's going on, are quite not sure where they want to go with their career in, in the future. Mm. Um, as a woman, and, you know, 
it's it's generally still accepted. There is still a long way to go to create that level playing field between women and men when it comes to opportunity, mm. promotion, mm. senior roles in schools. I think there is some uh, work being done to, to sort of, yeah. you know, change that. Agreed. But as a woman who now, you know, has, is moving into senior leadership in September, what advice would you give to any women listening to the programme, particularly young women who may well still be NQTs or early in their career? Now, you've, you've followed that pathway. What yeah. advice would you give them mm. in terms of things that they perhaps need to think about, what they should do in terms to, in a few years' time, or maybe on the brink, so that they can move down the road that you've moved down, let's say. Sure. I mean, I can only give my perspective. It might not work for everyone, but a few things that really helped me are networking. Yeah. And, you know, connecting and talking to people. Twitter is fantastic for that. So a very good friend of mine um, a few years ago suggested that I join Twitter, and I thought it was a crazy idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's been absolutely fantastic. And obviously, I've met you through Twitter as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But talking to people that are already doing those roles or or trying to find out what these roles might lead to is so important because it's not really an obvious, if I don't know about it, you know, it may be around, there's not really obvious careers, pathwork or network for teachers to access, you know, um, so you have to talk to people outside of your school, outside of your network, you know, I was talking to people in London before I moved to London, try and gauge what it was like. Um, the second thing is, is to learn about things that you're interested in and see where your passions can lie and where it might take you next. So, you know, that could be, you know, engaging with conversations. It could be going to teach meets. It could be leading a conference on something. You know, it, it could just be picking up a book. It doesn't really matter. But I think constantly learning is really important. Mm. Um, and the final thing is that I think is super important is coaching. Find yourself a really, really good coach. Um, and someone that perhaps... Internally or externally? Um, well, I've had both. Yeah. And I think for me, the most powerful one was the person that I, that I could touch base with and knew about my career and what I was doing in school. So, mm-hmm. you know, someone that was in my school yeah. working with me, knew what my pros were, my cons were, my areas of development. Um, and that had so much impact. And it was actually a person as well from a similar ethnic background. And I think that really, really makes a huge difference mm-hmm. um, to me personally anyway. And they would often question, query and try and drive these conversations around what to do next and what barriers I perceived actually for myself so whether it was imposter syndrome or whether I thought that I didn't know enough to apply for somewhere or whether it was applying for something that might not necessarily be the best fit right now Mm -hmm. but if I had the skills for it I could learn what's on there and that's really important I think for young women um, I think it's really really vital that we understand that we don't need to be ready right now for the Absolutely, role yeah. um, and I'm sure perhaps Liam you might be able to tell me you know the mindset um, that you might have had throughout your career as well would you have thought two three times before applying somewhere or would you have just gone for it it's a very difficult one it, 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 it's often it's, it's, uh, you're going to be taking this chair off me very very <laughs> soon. it's an interesting question uh, that's a really good one I'll answer it just for the sake of, of, yeah. of, 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 of levelling that I think for me, I mean, I have worked in the same borough, in the same school for 15 years, barring an eight-month spell in another school in Enfield, which was very local to the school I was working in. I've reached a sort of a point in the school that I've been in um, where I felt the time was right for a change. Sure. Um, I was... Head of year, I was ahead of year, but I was also interim 
uh, as an acting assistant head. Oh. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I look back on it and I think, one, I probably wasn't ready for assistant head at that time. I do. Mm-hmm. And I'd always felt to myself, do I, should I go and challenge myself in another school? Yeah, exactly. Mm. But I have to say, I look back on that experience now and think, was it the right decision? No, it probably yeah. wasn't. Yeah. Because sometimes, yes, fortune favours the bold, but sometimes I do think, and it's something I've, I've said on, on Twitter and other people who you know, might occasionally listen to me. Um, (laughs) I do think some people are made for certain schools. Mm. And I do think a certain culture does fit with you. Yeah, yeah. And I think when I moved from the school that I'd been in for a long time to a new school, and even though I knew the head there because we'd worked together before, um, the culture just didn't sit right. Yeah, that's so, so important. And I think it has to go hand in glove. It has to. And for me, I spent eight months there, and to be honest with you, I didn't enjoy it one bit. Right. And I tried something different. I'd been a head of year for a number of years. I'd obviously been an acting assistant in. I went to be a head of department, and I quickly realised that actually, head of department is not me. Mm-hmm. It's not me. Mm-hmm. I think you know what you are. You're either a more pastoral person, yeah. or you're more a curriculum yeah. person. And I probably knew that pastoral for me was 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 the right move and I think you know but it was all done for the right reason in terms of giving something else a try giving another school a try in a neighboring borough but sometimes it just doesn't work and I you know I I went there for eight months I'm not regretful of the experience Mm. I'm not regretful of making the move I think it was for the right reasons but sometimes it just doesn't work and I ended up going back to the school that I'd worked in for a long time um, I think it's important to reflect. It is important to reflect, and I think evaluation is important. You learn a lot about other people as well, and you know there are one or two people probably that you know I think a bit differently of in terms of um, you know uh, as leaders mm. probably that that I did previously, but I think those are good experiences because it allows you to reflect on on different styles. Mm. and no no regrets I think it's good to try other places I've seen people who've stayed in the same school for many many years and then when they're going for senior leadership particularly deputy head head they go for interviews and they say well sorry you've only ever worked in the one school so it it, 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 it does if you're going on to be a head Mm. it does pay I think to have had some experience in another institution I agree so a sideways ways sort of move doesn't necessarily mean no. that you're not going to learn anything no. in different contexts and different but cities. it's just good to see a different school and and if you're a deputy head in one school it probably wouldn't do you any harm to go and be deputy head in another school yeah. before you make the leap to headship I but agree. then some might say to me Liam you, you've never been a head what do you know <laughs> so but you know as somebody who was an assist an acting assistant head and has learned a bit about it I think you know when the time is right and I think you also know when a change is needed it doesn't always work it doesn't mm-hmm. but unless you try it how do you ever know true and there's also a culture in london especially that i found that uh, promotion is the next thing that people want to do after every two years or three years but i think you know um i'll tell you now i've been teaching 17 years <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, well, we've been teaching about a bit the, we've been teaching about the same time then. Um, <laughs> but not to say that there's anything wrong with wanting to develop yourself. But I think it's no, finding the right. Time absolutely, and culture is important. You need to work in a school where the culture is right, where where your beliefs and morals fit. And yeah. sometimes it doesn't, and that's trial and error. Yes. It, it just sometimes if you give up a good position to go and do it, it can be more tricky. Definitely. But saying that, I I would always say to people having done the experience myself do you know what you learn a lot about yourself Mm. what makes you happy what your culture is how you want to work it teaches you a lot and I would always say to people who have ever asked me my advice on it I always say to them be broad think broadly there is more life than just at the end of the street completely Um, so yeah I think it's an interesting experience and you do learn a lot and I would always say to people to be broad minded on that definitely and I think just going back to your question about what would you say to you know early career teachers apart from knowing the culture being reflective etc I think it's also remember that you know you have to have a life outside of teaching as well absolutely you know um, go to the gym go for that walk talk to your friends that's so important just have a moan about something yeah um, and go out with you know your friends rather than staying in another night to think about that lesson that's on your mind yeah. or that student that's on your mind um, you know, and I think it's so important just to let go of mm. the job sometimes a little bit so that you can come back refreshed and have that coach, you know, to help you with those conversations and mm. unpick what's really going on. Um, and in terms of schools as well, you said, find the right culture, I agree. And for me personally, diversity is such a big thing as well. Absolutely. Are there diverse leaders, you know, at senior leadership level? How are teachers being developed from grassroots up? Is there a formal programme? that can encourage all sorts of different backgrounds of teachers to be mm. part of the community. You know, our, our school children are so diverse, so should the teachers, reflecting that as well and teaching them every day. I'm looking forward to September. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they're listening. Nervous but excited. <laughs> nervous but excited, for sure. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be and yet another steep learning curve for me. <laughs> I might have to uh, get, send you a message on Twitter and give me some advice, please. <laughs> I'm always, always will with try and help if I can. Um, Mum, to listen, it's been lovely speaking to you. Um, you. It's been lovely having you on the programme and good luck um, with the remainder of the term and good luck in September. Um, Do come back and tell us. I will do. I would love to come back again. Later on. Such an enjoyable experience. In the year. um, How are you doing? But it's been lovely speaking to you. Thank you, Liam. Right, that's it for the Liam Davis Show on this Tuesday evening. Thank you very much to Mumta and to Ashley, who was with me earlier. Um, Podcast tomorrow, um, Shortage Radio Podcast. Shannon Doherty, Chris Perrins um, are amongst guests on the podcast. Um, And I am back next week, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. And I'm hearing that the weather will still be pretty decent this time next week. So I hope to carry that weather between now and next Tuesday. But it's been uh, lovely speaking to you. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy your week. And look forward to speaking to you again next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock.